thankful this morning that we don't have to come perfect. <laughs> I am.
This is going to be a real special morning. But anyway, I'm, I have some things I'm going to share that are in my heart. But I'm going to share this morning with Deborah Ortiz. And she's going to come first. Then I'll tag team. But she is part of our family. She was a pastor here, leader here, and really one of the elders here. And she's still part of our family. She's away somewhere else, but she's still part of our extended family. So would you welcome Deborah Ortiz? <laughs> Good morning. I'm so happy to be here. I know. I love this place. I really do. Now, the last time I was here, um, I lived in Arizona. I live in Texas now. I'm just moving everywhere. My, my um, daughter and my son-in-law and, and the five grandkids um, he got another job, and so they had, well, he got offered a job, and they had a, a family, we had a family um, meeting, and they said, Mom and Dad, we're not moving unless you're coming. And I said, well, yeah, I just moved from North Carolina to Arizona to be with you guys. Um, but anyway, we've all moved, and so I'm in Waco now. And we're enjoying it. We're riding our bicycles downtown a lot and hanging out, and it's, it's a good time. And then hanging out with our kids and... We, we're just loving it. It's been cold. And I actually got a sore throat. You can probably hear it um, <clears throat> a couple of days ago, which is a bummer. But anyway, I've been here hanging out with my sister and my friends. And I am so excited to be here this morning. Um, I knew I was going to be coming. And a few weeks ago, we just, we just uh, my dad lived with us. I don't know whether you knew that. He lived with us for um, inside the house for two and a half years and we took care of him and he could hardly walk um, he had oxygen problems and so you know we had to feed him all of his meals and help him get around and take him to doctor's appointments and stuff like that and then I have that full-time job and then I'm still writing books and all and then I'm taking care of the grandkids and stuff so I, I got pretty exhausted but he passed away on December the 28th it was really precious I was singing Jesus loves me in his ear because when I was little that's what I used to sing to myself you know when I got in when I woke up from a bad dream or something I'd sing Jesus loves me and I'm teaching my grandkids to do the same thing and Jesus does love me and he loves every single one of us amen I love Jesus I'll tell you what I am so proud to be a member of his body I'm so proud that he is the, the heavenly bridegroom you know the other day um, you know I was I was praying when I pray in the morning uh, sometimes I use the Lord's Prayer sometimes is my um, I, that's just how I do it and it keeps me kind of on, on you know where I know where I'm going anyway I was praying I said my father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name and then I thought um, thy king um, then I thought wait a minute you're in heaven and then I remembered all those scriptures that Jesus said he said I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am there you may be with me also in my father's house are many mansions 
If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you so that you can come and be with me. And it reminded me of my daughter. My daughter wants us to live next to her all the time. And I thought, Lord, you want us in your neighborhood. You want us down the street from you. You want, to, you want us in the house. You want to be able to come by. You want to know that we're there every day. You want to see us. You want us in the neighborhood. And I thought, my daughter has your heart. And Jesus said, he, she sure does. She has my heart. And that really blessed me. And you know, um, I was at, um, we just started going to a church. And we were there. I hadn't been in church in a while, to be honest with you. We moved from Texas in August. And so I hadn't been in church in a while. And there's this one down the street, and we really like it. And um, so we went to church. And the minute the worship started, I could feel the power of God rising in the midst of the place. Now, you got to remember, I was here for 18 years. I've been in church my whole life. I was raised in church. So that was a long, extended time for me, right? The church grew me up. You know, when I came back to the Lord after I had my first son when I was 19, you know, I had been a bad, bad girl. And I came back to the Lord and went to church, and the church grew me up then. And it's been the same ever since, and they keep me fired. And I had been away for a while. And so... I, I went in and I felt the lion roar. I felt, I felt the power of God and I felt it this morning when I came in here. When I stood in here and the worship started, worship team, you're amazing. This is the best worship ever. This is the best worship ever. It really is. Their hearts are right. They take us right into the Lord. They're not trying to get us to do something and manipulate us. I love that. Thank you so much. Really makes it easier to get up and speak. But I felt the presence of God. And there is so much power. And the, and the scripture that the Lord gave me, um, which I want to read to you, is Psalms 133. See how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head that ran down the beard. Even Aaron's beard that came down on the edge of his robes like the dew of Hermon that comes down on the hills of Zion. For there Yahweh gives the blessing, even life forevermore. And you know, I thought about that this morning with this group. And as I was, as I was during worship, I could just see a river of gold flowing through here. And, and I said, Lord, what is that river? And I don't see stuff like that very often. You guys have heard me preach. I don't really see stuff like that very often. But that's what I saw. And I saw this river of gold going through here, and I said, Lord, what is that river of gold? And he said, what is that thing? I am, I am, all your trials and tribulations are bringing out in you pure gold. What is that gold? And I said, well, what's the highest? And he said, love. The greatest of these is love. I am love. And I am, there's a river of love in this place. And I felt the pleasure of the Lord this morning. As he was walking through here, I could just feel him. I felt like he walked into the house and he was, it was like he was in our neighborhood. Remember, he wants us to live with him. He's our husband. He's our heavenly bridegroom. He, we are the closest relationship. The male and the female relationship gives us a picture of that. And then when we have our children, we have pictures of these things, this love that we have. He wants that. He wants the closest relationship with us. And I felt him walk in through here today. And he's like, I love this place. I really felt the pleasure of the Lord on this house this morning. And he's saying to us, I love this place. I love visiting. It reminded me when I was this weekend, I was hanging out and I went to visit Carol 
and she's got a new house, my girlfriend, and she had her bedroom all decorated beautifully for me, and just so many beautiful things. And I loved being there because I knew I was loved. And Jesus loves being in this house because he knows he's loved. Isn't that good? God is good. I love, love God. I love Jesus. Now, the Lord did give me a word for this group. Um, I was um, praying one day, one morning, and I said, Lord, what's the word? What, what do you want me to say to this group? Because I like to come with something. You know, I've got like 100 topics, you know. Sometimes, David, I think that I ought to, I ought to like come somewhere and say, all right, um, who, what do you guys want to hear? What do, you want, what do you want me to talk about? And, of course, I'll probably just lose it and I'll come up like, because, you know, sometimes I'm about as anointed as... Well, I was going to say a rock, but the rocks are anointed. They're going to cry out if we're not going to cry out, right? You know, sometimes I'm just like, I don't have an anointed thought in my mind. But anyway, um, but, you know, I thought, I just want a word for this group. And the Lord gave me the word overcomers. Actually, first he, first he said to me, champions. Those are my champions. And I started looking at that. And then he said, overcomers. And so I started looking at that. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to read the, the, the um, letters to the um, churches in the book of Revelation. And when I got to the church of Philadelphia, it just, it just, a fire lit up inside of me. And I knew that that word was for this church this morning. And it's a small word. And I'll tell you, I had some warfare on this word because it is a small word. And I thought, you know, I mean, goodness, maybe I ought to just cancel, you know. And David texted me the other morning. He goes, you're still coming, right? And I said, yeah, I am. Um, and, and he's, you know, telling me that he's got a word and everything and only, you know, that I only have a certain amount of time this morning to speak. And um, I said, that is perfectly fine because, honestly, there's been so much warfare um, on this word of why. I don't understand why. Maybe when David gets up to speak, I'll understand yeah, so, so anyway, um, but that really encouraged me. That text that he sent me really, really encouraged me. And then this morning to get involved in your worship and to worship with you and to see the flowing river of love in this place. And, and oh my goodness, God loves this place. So I want to read, if you can um, pull it up for us, um, Revelation 3, 7. And this is the Philadelphia Church, and I believe that God is saying to you this morning, this, you are the Philadelphia Church. You are the Philadelphia Church. So Jesus introduces himself in this, um, and you know what? Let me, let me pull it up on here. You know, I'm never going to do this again. I'm going to travel with my Bible. Because I've, it's, it's a red line is telling me it's, it's out of here. Um, okay, Bible. Revelation. You guys still hanging in there with me? I know I don't have much time. Um, three. Yes. Oh. Yay. I know, right? I'm trying to be hip. I'm trying to get into that technology thing. <laughs> I like my Bible. Yeah. Okay, Revelation 3, 7. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, and hopefully it's on the screen for us, these things says he who is holy, 
who is true. He introduces himself as the Holy One and the True One because those people, you are that people. You know what holiness is. You know what it is to be true. And he introduces himself to us. He who has the key of David, who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. And I really felt this as I was reading this. The Lord has set before you an open door. No one can shut it. For you have a little strength, but have kept my word and not denied my name. Amen. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and know that I have loved you. And I thought about that, that um, part of this right here. And I said, Lord, what is that? And he says, those are those who say to them, you are not all that. And you can't do that. And you can't be that. And you can't go there. That's right. But the Lord is saying, they are of the synagogue of Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan, Jesus said. Get thee behind me. And they lie. And I looked that up. And they're lying on purpose. They're doing it to deceive. They're doing it to slow us down. They're doing it to take our fire away from us. They're doing it because they're afraid of us. And God is saying, I know those and what they say about you, but I will cause them to come and worship before your feet. And I said, what? And he said, because they're going to get in a hurt and things are going to start happening. But you have been through it already and they're going to come and they're going to say to you pray for me help me i want to know the jesus that you know they're going to come and worship before you amen, amen. oh and they are going to know that i have loved you you know i feel to the to this morning and with this word that the lord is saying to you i'm your bridegroom i am your bridegroom I am standing with you. I am walking in the midst of you. I am high and lifted up. I am tall and powerful. Do not mess with my bride. Do not mess with her because I love her and I'm going to let the world know that I love her. She has little strength. Don't let, oh dear, dear, how God loves to use the, 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 Foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And he does it every day. He does it in my life. He's doing it right here in this church. He is confounding the wise. There's a river of love here. You want to get in the love? This is where you're going to come. You need to be healed? This is where you're going to come. Because you have kept my command to persevere. Oh my. Oh my. What is that? That is all of the trials and tribulations. All of the hardships. When is it going to happen? You made a promise. I don't see it. I don't see it being fulfilled. What's happening? Why are you waiting? Are you still with me? <laughs> Where did you go? Are the heavens are brass. Do you still love me? All of the things that have been going in, on in our hearts and our minds. What's going on in the world? Are we going to be okay? Are my grandchildren going to be okay? All of the things. And the Lord says, keep your patience keep your faith keep your love be patient with me I know what I'm doing parents you're patient with your children you just keep loving them I see these Riley and her new baby and everything and I see these kids I saw them and I know them I knew them when they were little and they're up here doing worship and they're having kids and when they have kids then they look at you differently and they say wow wow now I know what love is now I understand be patient
because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which will come upon the whole world to test those on the earth. Now, I've, I've spoken here before about, you know, the different things and persecutions and all that kind of stuff, but I honestly believe that, and, and, and I don't want to get messed up in anybody's eschatology, but, but personally, I believe that we are going to be taken out of here before the great tribulation. I really believe that. And I believe this scripture tells us that. I, and this, this is written, I think, to, to this hour and this day. I will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth because you kept the perseverance. You've gone through it and you haven't faltered and you're still standing. And you don't need this. This isn't for you. This is not for you. You're my bride. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. We're, I mean, he has crowned us. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. A pillar, that's, that's you, you don't take a pillar out of a building. That whole, that's, that's part of the structure of a building. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go out no more. Your persevering days are over. You, are, you and me, we're hanging out in the same neighborhood. You're not going out. I'm not leaving you. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. The new Jerusalem coming as a bride out of heaven, Revelation says, adorned for her heaven, for her, uh, for her bride. I will make you, I'll put the name of my city of my God on you, the new Jerusalem. I'm going to live with you. You're going to live with me. This is going to be the closest relationship which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on you my new name. What does a woman do when she gets married? She takes her husband's name. I'm going to write on you my new name. Write on you my name. Amen. We're going to get his name. He's going to call us his own. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So I just want to say, and then I'm, I'm about done here. We have the keys of David in this place, authority in matters of government to pull down and to, to allow or disallow. There's keys of authority in this place, and I know you use them in your intercession. I've been in your intercession. I know you use those keys, and you know who you are. Listen, we're the bride of Christ, and we have keys of authority. And if somebody's messing around in a place where we have, where they're, they've just trespassed upon our space we have keys of authority if somebody comes into this house and and they mean us for harm they mean it for harm well they're going to come down and, and fall down and know that the lord has loved you and you have the keys of authority um so i hear the lord saying well done good and faithful servant the door that we have open my goodness i can't even imagine the things that are going to start transpiring and I think I've said everything. I'm going to give David a good 45 minutes. But I just want to encourage us today. I feel like I'm still a part of this church, so this word is for me. Just as much as it's for us. Amen? Amen. And she is still a part. And it did fit. Because uh, the word overcomers uh, means a whole lot. In fact, I wrote it down. There's some of these things I'm just getting this morning. But um, are you guys ready for the real thing? 
because uh, it's going to get interesting. I got a call from my good friend, Dan Bowler, this week. He's 80s. He's in his 80s. And he's a lot to me like a Bob Jones to me because he's given me words that have been very timely, prophetic words. And Dan called me and gave me a word that I want to share a little bit of this morning and so that we would be ready for what is going to be the most exciting but also the most challenging times. And those who are not ready are going to be in for a rude awakening. You know, we are either going to have a great awakening or a rude awakening. In fact, we're probably going to have both. And uh, so anyway, I want to just say a word about Deborah. And uh, she's like a Deborah to me. You know, she's a good friend. But she's like a real Deborah in the Bible. Because the Deborah in the Bible, remember, in, jo- in Judges, she challenged the people to rise up against the enemies. She said, let all your enemies perish, O Lord. But, she went on, but let those who love him be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. And so Deborah had a twofold. She challenged the people. She confronted the enemies of God. And uh, she challenged the people to confront the enemies, but then also the people to come forth and become what they're called to be. Also, Deborah it says there about when leaders lead. That's in chapter 5. When leaders lead. Leaders can't follow. Leaders are supposed to lead. And uh, when they lead, and when the people offer themselves willingly, when they volunteer, bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. And uh, this is where we are, I believe, in a very important time. You know, um, we're trying to make all this fit together. But we, uh, I was thinking this morning, the vision. What is the vision of our church? Well, one of them is these nets. We're getting ready for a great harvest. That's a promise. God has given us keys. And in, some of you know about those keys, but we're, we're, that's part of our vision. And then also, it's to prepare for what God is going to be doing in this hour and be those who are overcomers because that was the word and that's the word God spoke to me this morning. We're not going to be, either you're going to be overcome or you're going to, you're going to overcome, one or the other. And I can just tell you most people in the churches in America are going to be overcome rather than over, they're going to be overcomers. It's, you watch my word. But then another thing, we are called to be missions and we've got so many people that are going on the mission field, and I'm so excited about that. And um, I've been invited. I'm going to go to Uganda. It's going to be really good. And you're going, you're going somewhere, Philippines. You're going to Ukraine. These guys are going back and forth to the Dominican. And anyway, others are going many other places. But, you know, in this hour that we're living, you can't just go by what you've always known. You can't go by what Dr. So-and-so told you. You can't go by what you read in your favorite book. You've got to have the mind of Christ. You've got to have be filled with the Word of God. If you're not standing on the Word, it's going to become obvious. Because everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. Say everything. That doesn't leave, the word everything doesn't leave anything out. So anyway, I, I want to, um, I don't know how much to share with you of what Dan Bowler told me. It may take a while. In fact, this morning, this is like a two-part thing, okay? That's why I, I just want to lay some foundation 
go over one point, and then next week is this great missions thing we're having. And uh, so these guys are going to be here. And Brother Hune is the heavenly man. I would come Friday night. He, he spent time in prison in China, you know, persecution. But he's overcome, and he's going to be uh, giving us a word, I believe. But Brother Dan had this. Um, this will just lead into where we're going. We're going to get to Psalm 11. Then I'm going to cover one point this morning. It'll take a little while to cover the one point. But then we'll finish it up. But we got to have muscle. you got to have a little backbone if you're going to make it in this hour. If you're a chicken, it's going to be made known. Chickens become, you know, if a chicken, chicken, chicks, they, that's a chicken. You know, if a rooster crows, it's probably a rooster. Does that make sense? But anyway, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to go. Anyway, Dan told me about this visitation he had and what the Lord told him about the timing of some events and things that are going to happen. And then he said, to confirm what God had shown him, he picked up a book by Bob Mumford. You know, we need to be hearing what some of these old saints, full of wisdom like Bob Mumford and others, had to say. You know, we look to the new prophets and the new generation. There's only so much God's going to show them. And uh, we have to glean from all all the things are going to be written by, fulfilled by the written by all the prophets from the beginning of the age. But anyway, he was sharing this story, and let me just um, kind of briefly talk about it. He said he was a professor in New Testament at Elam Bible College in New York. And, uh, but they were involved in a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Cuba. And there were things happening. Public stadium in the center of Havana was being packed every night. Physical healings, dramatic healings were happening. There was evangelism. It became normal. Evangelism became just a normal thing. Everyone, it seemed, was seeking to know how to give themselves to the Lord. The city newspaper in Havana was uh, talking about uh, the great move of God. And it was like the kingdom was coming in Cuba. And then, in the midst of the glory... Success, evangelism, and the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit, the prophetic climate changed suddenly. In a, in a moment, he goes on, he says, the joy that all they had turned a little negative. The theme of the prophetic urgent sounding forth was that the blood of your sons and daughters will now begin to flow in the streets. Not possible, we said. It's not going to happen. False, unscriptural, great confusion came upon us all. How could this possibly happen? What in the world was going on? Well, suddenly, Fidel Castro and the communist regime came out of the mountains and they began to slaughter their sons and daughters in the streets of Havana. And communism, for many years, took over. Now, why am I sharing that? Because we're going to have to be tough. If you want a creamy pie in the sky, everything's going to be fine. There's no pain. Christianity, don't come to this church. I'm telling you, don't come. There are plenty of places you can go. And we ain't got time to tickle ears anymore. I'm not going to... 
when leaders lead, bless the Lord. Not when they follow the crowd or the latest, you know, thing, the latest prophet to be raised up. But when they lead by the Spirit of God. Now, you're saying, where are we going? I'm glad it's going to take me over three weeks to get there. Because next week I get a break. And uh, we'll turn those guys in this mission conference loose. But I've got to share what I've got to share. Now go with me, if you would, to Psalm chapter 11. I heard this song yesterday. I was, was going down. I, I, in the afternoon, I told Shirley, Shirley, I'm going to a baseball game. Because, you know, I just want to get, it, get away and go to a baseball game. Because my son used to pitch and... You know, I like to relive those days sometimes. So I went down to Lenore Ryan and watched them get slaughtered by a team. And it was reminding me of some of the things in the old days. And You know, but um, anyway, I don't know why I told you that. Except we got to hear the word of the Lord in this hour. And so look in Psalm 11. Let's pray and then we're going to go through. And then we'll finish up. But you got to get what we're going to talk about today. Stuff that God showed me this week blows my mind. You, you, know, you might know what I'm talking about. When you see stuff in the Word you've never seen before, and it fits to right where you are, walking right now today, you say, God, you must be God. And you're going to have to know in this hour, He is good, He is great, and He's God. And you're going to have to know this. You've got to be rooted in that. So, Lord, we thank you for this hour that we get to live. We've been called to this moment. Lord, we thank you. We are called to be overcomers in this life. And you're making us tough so that we can truly reveal the Son of God in the midst of great shaking and times of great trouble. Lord, you said there would be a time of trouble such as never been on the entire earth. But then you also said in the New Testament, don't be shocked, you said you're going to have troubles in this life, but nevertheless I've overcome, and you'll always have peace, and I'll be with you. And so we thank you, God. We, I commit this word to you. Lord, you gave it to me. Some people don't want to hear it. They have ears they want people to tickle their ears and tell them what they want to hear. And Lord, you'll have, to, you'll have to cover them in this hour. But Lord, I thank you that we, and we want to be the people that hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let me just read this scripture in uh, Psalm chapter 11. Everybody there, you got your real Bible, you got your... Uh, your fake Bible? No, no, it ain't a fake Bible. It's not a fake Bible. It's just on the, you know, on these things. Thank God for these things. But what if these things all of a sudden got turned off? That's why you got to hide your word. David said, I hid his word in my heart that I might not sin. I find it a little bit hard to hide the word in your heart when it's on your phone. Because these things trap you. It's like the GPS. Places I used to know how to get to, I can't get to anymore because the GPS tells me how to get there. And sometimes it says, you know, go the other way or something, you know what I mean. Turn around when possible. It ain't possible. 
Anyway, I've talked to my GPS before. You ever talk to the GPS? Turn around when possible. What do you mean when possible? It ain't possible. I got to be somewhere and this is the way I got to go. Anyway. All right. In the Lord. Verse 11. Verse 1. In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul? Flee as a bird to your mountain. For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. Now that word means in the darkness. But it also, in the upright in heart, a better translation would be in an inconsistent mind. Inconsistent, a wavering, someone that's wavering between two opinions. They're not rooted. Their mind has not been renewed. They react by, out of their soul, their mind, their will, and emotions, rather than reacting out of, thus saith the Lord, out of the Word of God. And if you're not operating out of the mind that's renewed by the Word, it's going to be difficult. Say, say I'm an overcomer. So we got we to gotta know that. You know, you and I are not going to win the battles by just showing up. We have to do what God's called us to do. He gives the Holy Spirit to them that are obedient. David said, it was good that I was afflicted, so then I've learned who you are and how to obey you. Afflictions are not bad. They're good. And besides that, if they're bad, the Lord said, I will deliver you them out of them all. So that's a pretty good promise. But we need to read the rest, and then we'll come back and look at just a couple things. Now, verse 2, you've got to understand, that's what he's saying. Or verse 1, can I just flee as a bird? Can I go to some mountain and get away from all this escape? Well, we will see what God has to say about it. Verse 3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyelids behold, his eyelids, or his eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals. Fire and brimstone and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. You can also translate that. The upright beholds the countenance of the Lord. Their eyes are upon Him. And they see who He is. They see Him in all of His glory. Now verse 3 is where we're going to just kick off this two-part message. You'll have to come back in two weeks but today, we're going to get enough. I don't know how you do this in two, two I don't even know how you do this. This is a strategic psalm for the hour. We must know what it has to say. And, and I can remember reading this psalm in times past at the warehouse. We touched on it from time to time, but the Lord's brought it back. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, I wrote... In this book that I wrote years ago, some things that I want to just remind us of this morning so we can get to the main thing. But General William Booth, he was a Methodist preacher, 
He lived, he was born in 1829, died in 1912. He was known as the prophet of the poor. What organization did he find? The Salvation Army. And it's still in existence today. And so he's responsible for really a lot of ministry to the poor. And, uh, but he had a vision, or he had something that happened to them that he began to write down some of the great dangers that those in the future church were going to have to face. That's us. Say, that's me. And so let me just remind you of these things. First of all, and I believe this was a prophetic word. He said, beware of a day when there would be politics without God. Boy, was he right on target there. Now, all of you know, if you're part of this congregation, the separation of church and state is not in the Constitution. It never was in the Constitution. It never will be. You don't, How do you separate, you know, one sphere of society from the dominant sphere, that the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is to rule over all. But not out of force and cruelty and slavery. It's out of willingness. Oh, I'm telling you, there's so much we could say about that. But, you know, you think about it. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever. How many of you know that's going to happen? Okay, so what do you, when we get that day, we're going to say, well, all the kingdoms but one. The kingdoms where we had governments on the earth, that's, you won't have anything to do with that because that's a separation of church and state. It ain't going to happen. America was founded anyway as a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. I saw Rick's rant this week. Anybody see it on socialism? And I texted him. I said, thank you, Rick. If we don't tell the people, they're not going to know. We have a whole generation that are going to vote in socialism if it's up to them. It's just the opposite of what God gave us. Socialism is the people of the government, by the people, and for the government. The people must yield and bow to the God, the government. You lose all your freedoms. You give up all your possessions. All your dreams will be ordered by a government. If we don't tell them, they're not going to know. So we got to start shouting now until the year 2020. People need to know. And then the next, and there's so much more. We'll come back later on on all that. I'm, these are just to help us get this foundation. And then General William Booth said, watch out for a day when there would be heaven without hell. What does he mean? He means the folks, the church will focus on the blessings of God. Bless me, bless me, bless me. Now we're our blessed people. Blessed going, blessed coming. But they would forget the judgments. Romans says there is the goodness of God and the severity of God. Most people only want to hear half the story. When the other half is read, they run out or they close their ears. They don't want to hear. Now look in verse 6 of that. This is really interesting because it's part of the text. And we're going to stay in this text when we get back to it later on in, in the weeks to come. But he says, upon the wicked, he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. Now you know... Fire and brimstone preaching is kind of mocked today, ridiculed. You know, if you're a fire and brimstone preacher, you, you must be of that old, out-of-date, you know, crowd that 
uneducated. They don't know what they're talking about. You know, that just used to be. And uh, we don't need that anymore. It's out of date. There's no love in that message. You've heard it all. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Except for one problem. It's still in the Bible. You know, so we have to eliminate a lot of the Scripture to say we're not going to go there anymore. Let me give you an example. Look in uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. You guys still with me? There are many watching by web stream. I hope this message goes far and wide. That's what Bob Jones said would happen. He said the gospel, the word would be preached from Moravian Falls to the ends of the earth. We don't have to apologize. We don't have to pretend he didn't say it. It ain't up to us anyway. We just do what we're called to do. Just like you, you do what you're called to do. You trust God. We'll get there in a moment, but let's don't get ahead of us. Verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Now this is the great white throne judgment. We understand that. And books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the works of the things by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast where? The lake of death. Now look down in verse 7 of chapter 21. He who overcomes. He who overcomes. That's it. Revelation is about the overcomers. You don't have a choice. You better get to where you can hear the word that will make you strong in the hour so that you will be listed among the overcomers. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable. You ought to look up what God says is abominable. There's some things. Murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. You know, I remember hearing one of those old preachers years ago, you know, back in the old days, he said, one day God's going to raise up somebody to walk into Congress and look at the senators and say, men and women, I want to remind you, God doesn't let liars into heaven. I'll never forget that. I'd like to be the one. It's what God said. It's what he said. All liars, all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burns with what? Fire and brimstone. They don't want to talk about that anymore. Guess what? God's still talking about it. They're not going to stamp out his word. You know, there's a lot of talk about, in this hour we're living, it's absolutely unbelievably foolish talk. Social justice, economic justice, racial justice, environmental justice. They want to punish us for the, you know, all the, I'm telling you. These things are, if I told you what I really thought of them, you probably, 
would say, that's not the best thing to say, David. So I won't say it. But I'm just going to say, all of these things actually cause injustice. Man's, man's so-called justice will cause injustice. That's a good way to say it. But God's justice will prevail. And he's not going to back down. Now, he's taking names. How do you know that? Because it said he's writing his na- these things are in the books. And the books will be open. And then, thirdly, Os- uh, the man we're talking about said, Beware of the message that focuses on forgiveness without repentance. Forgiveness of sin only comes when there's repentance from sin. You don't throw forgiveness out as a blanket. Acts 3.19 says, Therefore, it says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. What does that mean? It means they're not blotted out until there's repentance. Repentance is a change of mind. You see things God's way. You saw them your own way. You say, no, God, your way is greater, higher. I choose to turn from my way, and I choose to walk after your way. You see, that's why the Scripture says His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We talked about this at the retreat. You know, it's like this. The Word of God helps you to look, a lamp on your feet, to see where you are in relation where where God wants you to be. But then, it's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path to help us go where we're called to go. you got to see where you are, get in the right position so that you know where to go, where God's called you to. This is a really amazing time. But remember the man was healed who had been sitting by the pool of Bethesda. Jesus came to him in the temple, came to the church. He said, see, you've been made well. Sin no more. He didn't say, okay, you've been made well. Now go ahead. It's all covered. I got your back, buddy. You can go live like you want. Lest a worse thing come upon you. There's people, there's worse things have come upon them. Because they made a mockery of repentance. Forgiveness requires repentance. And then the next thing, he said, be aware when there would be salvation without regeneration. Now, Jesus didn't say it's a good idea, or I highly recommend, or it used to be said. No, he said you must. You must. There's no other way you must be born again. And I believe God's going to raise that message back up in America. Somehow we left it out. We let people believe they could just go to church or they could be religious. They could know some things that are right. They could turn over a new leaf. No, you must, you must be born again. And then he said, beware, be on the guard for religion without the Holy Spirit. Paul told Timothy, many have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. What's he talking about? The power to change the life that they say they're living. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now, we have to have our mind renewed, obviously, because many people, that's where the battle's going on. And so, their own shaky foundation, 
And they run the risk of destruction because their mind is inconsistent. It's not been renewed by what God says who, what God says is true. But remember John the Baptist told those coming to be baptized. Okay? You want to be baptized? Go bear fruit worthy of repentance that proves that you've repented. You know, the way the world will know that we belong to Him, number one, is love. Number two, it's because, and we could look at this another time, you will do the works of the fa- your Father, one or the other. You know, by your works, but also by the changed life. You know, we all should read that book from Bob Mumford before we meet back up here in two weeks with me. I mean, I'll be here next week for the missions conference. You want to read that book. Can you do that? I'm going to give you an assignment. What's the name of that book? What's the name of that book anyway? Let me go back to page one. You can download this for free. You might want to read Bob Mumford's book. He wrote it in 2016. I didn't even know he was still alive. I thought Bob Mumford was gone. He's still here. He wrote a book called Protected and Unprotected, a Proceeding Word. Protected and Unprotected, a Proceeding Word. So there's your homework. If you got two weeks, read that. Let's all read it together, okay? You got to do stuff like this. This is not about a show anymore. You got to be built up. You got to be made into the image of Christ. So let's read this book, digest it. We'll throw it in. We'll talk about some later on. How many of you will do that? You can download it for free. You get to use your fake thing. You get to use it. Because I don't know if you can get a hard copy. So anyway, I don't even know how long it is. I have no idea. I just read page 10 because that's what Dan Bowler said, spoke to him of what happened in Cuba and of what's coming. That got my attention. I think I need to read the rest of the story. And you need to stay in the rest of the story in this. This is the main rest of the story. Okay. You guys still with me? I'm telling you, I feel this is different anointing today. I I was so excited about Deborah coming because she's a great friend, but she's also a prophetic symbol. She's, She's rising up saying... All your enemies are to perish. And you're to be like the sun rising up as the sun comes out in full strength. And leaders are to lead. They must do the things to lead, regardless of the cost. And there'll be a cost. So be it. So be it. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, it dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it'll produce much fruit. You want to produce much fruit? Die. Take up your cross. In fact, I don't know any other brand of Christianity. Well, there is. There's a bunch of brands. Okay, the next thing. Be on the watch for Christianity without Christ. And I would add to that, Christianity without the cross. Paul said, I'm determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's the main thing. There are many things that are coming against the church in America in this hour, they all sound good. 
They're tributaries. It's not the river. The river is Christ. The river is the cross. It's nothing else. And there's a lot of things. A lot of things. I was thinking this week about one of those things. It's called the identity movement. Sweeping the charismatic world. And it tells us, if you just know who you are in Christ, you just, you've lost your identity. Just discover your identity. And then I, I heard Rick talk about how God showed him many years ago. Y'all remember this. Rick Joyner, he said, the Lord showed him one of the great deceptions of the last days is that people would focus on who they are in Christ rather than who Christ is in them. And they would be distracted from Christ. They would fall away. They would follow another God, the God of I. You say, is that scriptural? What did Paul say? He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. We don't want to resurrect the I. The I must live for him. We lose our identity in Christ. And you know, that now I'm not saying it's bad to say, hey, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then it's a good thing. Does that make sense? But I'm telling you, folks, there are unbelievable, so many good-sounding things today. It's another gospel. There are other Christ. And we must follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are other foundations beside this. There's the foundation, the attack against the family, marriage, gender, right and wrong, truth from error, and on and on and on. So now I want to focus on one thing. And we need to hear this word. I saw stuff I'd never seen before. I said, God, how can you show me this stuff? The very time when I need to know this stuff. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. I still get blown away by what he shows me in the word. I'm not getting blown away by the latest prophecy. I'm getting blown away by what God shows me in the prophetic scriptures. People are running after so-and-so said this and -and so-and-so said that. Now, if so-and-so said what God said, then I'll listen. If they say something opposite of what God said, let God be true and every man a liar. I don't care who that man is or woman. I'm no respecter of persons. God's not either, but... Psalm 11, go back with me. All right, stay with me. Don't lose your concentration. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? I can tell you there's a lot they can do. And we better know what we ought to do while we have time to learn it. So that when that day comes, you will walk as an overcomer in this life. And there is life to live. So, now listen to this. The word foundation, it refers to a political or a moral support of a society. When the political support is shaken and the moral foundations of a society. The word destroyed means to pull down, to pull into pieces, to break. To, the King James says to beat down to destroy, overthrow, pluck, or ruin. 
So when the political or the moral foundations of a society are pulled down, plucked down, overthrown, ruined, you need to know what to do. The righteous, what can the righteous do? Now I'm going to challenge you along with reading that book between now and two weeks. Go through chapter 11 and find all the things the righteous are to do. You list them. I found about eight of them. We're going to go one today. So what will the righteous do? When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So right off the bat, look at chapter 11. Do you see anything that pops out off the page right off the bat, right at the beginning? There it is. In verse 1, in the Lord I put my trust. In the Lord I put my trust. Now the word trust means to get quickly. It, it comes from the word which means high time. You know, it's high time we get over here or whatever. Well, it means quickly, hurry for refuge, to trust, to be confident or to be sure. King James says be bold, be confident, be secure. And that's where you make your hope. It also speaks of leaning, learning to lean. Remember that old song we used to sing? I'm learning to lean on Jesus. That was a good song. We should remember that. And uh, we should remember that. Now, there are many things that we can put our trust in other than the Lord. How many of you know that? I'm going to list, I think, four or five things. I'll go quickly. Listen quickly. But actually... Don't even worry about quickly. Because if you don't hear this and you don't get this word in your spirit, if you don't get to become part of your makeup, if you don't hide it in your heart. You know, I was thinking about Joe. Joe told me I, this week, and we prayed for him before, we, we're believing. But Joe told me that was the Sunday when uh, Kathleen spoke. And we thought she was just going to do a few minutes, you know. But we said, oh, the anointing is on you. Carry on. So anyway, she starts ministering to people at the altar. And Joe told me that he wasn't going to come to the altar. He came anyway. And Kathleen walked up to him and said something. I may, the words may be, but it means the same thing. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Something like that. Did he tell you this? Stay in the fight. Stay in. He had no idea what he was about to face. But that prophetic word given at the altar has given him strength to this day to continue the fight. Don't give up. Stay in the fight. Keep fighting. It was a word for all of us. So what are some of the things we can put our trust in other than the Lord? Number one, you can place your trust in riches or in money. Proverbs eleven twenty eight: He who trusts in his riches will fall. But the righteous will flourish like the foliage. Job 31, 24, if I've made gold my hope, or said to find gold, you are my confidence. If I rejoiced because my wealth was great and because my hand has gained much. It goes on in verse 28. This would be an iniquity deserving of judgment, for I would have denied God who is above. Jesus said, remember, it's easier for a you know, a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. You know why he said that? Somebody preached that recently. I don't know if they told the whole story, but I, what I understand is that the camel was the largest animal of that day in that region. Right? That's what I read. 
if I'm wrong, forgive me. It's just what I read. You can't believe everything you read. But some stuff you don't know unless you read it. So anyway, if it was the largest animal in that day in that region of the world, what they're saying is this is the most impossible thing possible. It is impossible, period. But we know with God all things are possible. And he was talking about the man who put his trust in his riches rather than his trust in God. That's what's impossible. 1 Timothy chapter 6, For the love of money is the root of all evil. Now later versions said all kinds of evil. I'm, I'm getting back to the first, the original interpretation of that scripture. When you understand, is one reason many politicians want open borders along the southern border. is because of the drugs that flow in that bring billions of dollars. Billions. And the child trafficking. That also brings billions of dollars. When you understand that. You're not going to say all kinds of evil. You say the love of money is the root of all evil. And it's evil. It's more than evil what they're doing. Does every politician know what they're doing? Do they know they're making a way? Probably not. Some of them are following the blind, leading the blind into the ditch. Trying to lead America into the ditch. But we need to speak the truth. But some of them know exactly. My prayer is God would rip off their cover and they would be exposed to all. You say, is that biblical? Yes. It's all in the Psalms. Those that are digging the ditch need to fall into the ditch that they're digging for us to fall into. And Jesus himself said, there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed. Nothing covered that will not be made known. So I'm praying God make it known before they have a chance to deceive the masses of the people. Make it known, Lord. Expose them. Things are being exposed today. We've just been praying that a little bit. What if we really prayed it? But Proverbs 16, 8 says, Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. Secondly, we can place our trust in our own understanding. Stay with me. Daniel. Now, this is amazing. I just saw this this morning. I've quoted Daniel eleven thirty two. So many times. So many times. But you've got to read Daniel 11.33. It talks about how those, many of those who understand shall, or those who have understanding, shall instruct many. The problem is we don't read what's going on in the midst of it. During a time of sword, of war, flame, captivity, and plundering. You put those scriptures together. Now, the one right before Daniel eleven thirty two says, and the wickedness will increase and all this. Those who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Those of understanding shall instruct many in a time of sword, famine, plundering, and war. But then it goes on to say, and some of those who understand shall fall. Can I tell you by the word of the Lord, you're going to see people that have understanding this hour, some of them are going to fall. Why? You read the rest of Daniel, to refine them, to make them white, to get them ready so they'll be a gold, they'll be ready, they'll be part. But anyway, we need to, understand, we need to make sure we're understanding in the right direction. You cannot put your trust in your own understanding. Now God will give us understanding. 
But there are many people today trusting in their own understanding. How they see something. How they would define something. How they would prescribe is the answer to a situation. You know, our minds can deceive us. How many of you know that? That's why we have to have our mind renewed. Daniel, or I'm sorry, Psalm 11, they had an inconsistent mind. So when the foundations are destroyed, if you have an inconsistent mind, if your mind is not renewed by the Word of God, if you're putting your trust in your own understanding, you could end up in the heap of destruction with the rest. I'm just telling you. You can easily tell someone when someone's speaking from their own understanding. Easily. But you can tell also when someone's speaking from the mind of, the, mind of Christ. And that's what Bob Mumford in that book, I haven't read it all, but he was talking about how we must put on the mind of Christ. We must have the kingdom mindset. That is un- a kingdom that is unshakable. When the shaking begins, if you have that kind of mindset, if you're rooted in the truth, you will overcome. Because you will know it's not what you see, it's not what you understand, it's what God said. I don't know how many times I've told God, God, I have no, I have, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. But God, I trust you. I acknowledge you. The proverb says, trust not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what will he do? He'll direct your paths. You don't even have to know which way to go. God, I acknowledge you. I trust you, God. I trust you to get me in the right direction. You walk by faith. You make choices. You take up your cross. That's the right way. But we need the mind of God. We need the understanding. And then the next thing. Now, this is what you need to hear. We can also be led astray if we put our confidence in what Proverbs 28, verse 26 says. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Let me repeat that again. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. You know, we've had people, good-meaning people, tell us, and I'm sure I've told this too. I repent of any time I've said this. But people come to us, I want to, you know, which way is the right way to go? And we heard or we spoke, follow your heart. He that puts his trust in his own heart is a fool. Your heart, mind, your will, emotions. You know what Jeremiah said about the heart? He said the heart is deceitful and wicked, desperately wicked, which means incurably sick. Who can know it? The heart is where these emotions originate and we get all these, you know, our understanding somehow connects there. And sometimes you're not going to not only understand, you're not going to feel like you're doing the right thing if you follow God's thing. Who said you have to feel good about it? If you go by your feelings, they say, but it feels so good. It feels so good to my heart. So you're going to trust your heart? You could be a fool. You trust what God said. Well, what if my heart doesn't catch up to what God said? It will eventually. How many of you know that? 
You make the choice on what God said, regardless of what you feel is right, and your heart will eventually catch up to what God said. That's it. It's the process. You got to die to yourself. You know what dying to yourself will do to you, won't you? It'll kill you. But if you choose God's way, you're led by the Word. You say, I'm being led by the Spirit. No, you're being led by your own feelings. The way you perceive something to be. Being led, be led by the Word. And the Spirit always agrees with the Word. Always. The Holy Spirit will never say, well, maybe I don't understand everything there. You know, I'm in dis-. No, they're in agreement. Now, this is even going to get better. I'm setting the course because I have some things to do this week that I have to do. I didn't want to do it. You know, if it was up to me, I would do do it. Do do it. You don't, you don't get what I'm saying. I wouldn't do it. I would say do do. You guys ain't got it yet. I ain't, you know what I mean, but it ain't nothing to do with me. Listen, you got to find, it's just not about us. If you're trying to save yourself, you're going to lose it. Everybody that saves themselves will lose themselves. But those who lose themselves will find it. They're looking, they're losing themselves in Him. Now, another place we can place our trust but end in disaster is what's found in Isaiah 30. Go with me. You've got to see this for yourself. Isaiah 30, beginning with verse 8. Now go, write it before them on a tablet. And note it on a scroll that it may be for time to come forever and ever. That this is a rebellious people, lying children. Children who will not hear the law of the Lord. Who say to the seers, do not see. And to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Get out of the way. Turn aside from the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Who's the Holy One of Israel? Jesus. I don't want this Jesus. This is too hard. This cross. I want a Jesus that doesn't demand that you lay down your life and follow him. That's, say, that's happening today. But let's go on verse 12. Therefore, thus says the Holy One of Israel, because you trust or you despise this word and trust in oppression and perversity and rely on them. Therefore, this inequity shall be to you like a breach ready to fall. A bulge in a high wall whose breaking comes suddenly, in an instant. And he shall break it like the breaking of the potter's vessel, which is broken in pieces, and he shall not spare. Now what in the world is all that talking about? The word oppression. It means injury, fraud, distress, unjust gain. You ever heard the term ill-gotten gain? What this is talking about Anything you gain unjustly, through fraud, through manipulation, through your own effort, through your own conniving, through the trickery of men. The King James says, cruelly. You gain it cruelly or by oppression, anything deceitfully gotten. Here's some examples. A politician says, okay, I didn't win the first go-round of votes. I, want, I demand a recount. So you vote again. You get more votes. Then, and this has happened. Then you vote again. I demand another recount. You vote again. You keep 
recount him until you eventually win because you found some votes they weren't, you didn't know existed. I mean, you know that's happened in America in the last time. How do you think all this happened? Also, gaining a position in ministry through deceit, through cruelty, through fraud, any way to gain other than God promoting. You know what's going to happen? Look in verse 13. Here's what's going to happen. Eventually. Therefore, this iniquity, oppression and perversity, okay? This iniquity shall be to you like a breach ready to fall. A bulge in a high wall. A bulge is something sticking out. You can see it. But those standing on the wall, they think it's holding them up. Whose breaking it comes suddenly in an instant. I love the amplified version. It says this, Therefore this iniquity and guilt shall be to you as a broken section of a high wall, bulging out and ready at some distant day to fall, whose crash will then come suddenly and swiftly without delay. You know, Proverbs 10, 2 in the Amplified says, Treasures of wickedness profits nothing. But righteousness, moral and spiritual integrity, honesty, honor, and justice in every area and relation delivers from death. That's the ill-gotten gain. I want to prophesy to you, every ministry that began, that's established now, with any trickery, fraud, deception, cruelly, unjustly, thus saith the Lord, the bulge is about to break loose and it's going to fall. It's going to fall. You say, how do you say that? Because Isaiah said it. Thus says Isaiah. Not David. Isaiah. And then we can trust in our ability to defend or protect ourselves. I'm almost finished. You guys with me? Now you know what the scripture is for this. Proverbs 20. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed he will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We don't trust in our own armies, our own ability to deliver or protect ourselves. Psalm 33, no king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safely. You know, horse often represents the flesh. So the flesh, is, you don't trust in the flesh. Yours or somebody else's. Neither shall it deliver by any great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Verse 21, for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. The character of God. His holy name is all that he is. His character. And then... Finally, all will end in disaster when we trust in man or people. There's plenty of scriptures. Jeremiah 17, thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, 
which spreads out its roots by the river and it and will not fear when heat comes but its leaf will be green he will not be anxious in the year of drought nor will cease from yielding fruit now there's a bunch of other scriptures as we get ready to close it up i just read a couple as for god his way is perfect the word of the lord is proven he's a shield to all who trust in him Psalm 7, Lord my God, in you I put my trust. Save me from all those who persecute me and deliver me. Psalm 56, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do to me. Psalm 119, so shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. Now I need to say this. Don't think you're going to get... How is the best way? You're not going to be um, given any reward for trusting in God in this hour. Don't think men are going to, you know, give you some honor. Here's what it said. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 10. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach. Because we trust in the living God. We suffer and labor reproach. We trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. So I want you to stand with me. Keep on playing. Thank you, Dave. I want us to uh, pray this morning and repent in any way that we placed our trust in any other thing other than the Lord God. That's what I felt. And that God would just, there would be forgiveness. And a new strength, a new level of trust would be implanted and released in the church. So we, can we do that? And then, and then we're going to have people come to the altar that never put their trust in Jesus. So they just need, maybe they've fallen away or maybe they become backslidden. Others that just need a touch from God. You know, if Kathleen can give that word to Joe and give Joe some strength, let me tell you, this altar is hot. You should come. God will touch people. He will speak to people. I believe God will confirm His word with signs and wonders following. He confirms His word. We don't run after signs, do we? They follow us. Naturally, it should be natural. And so we thank God. But let's just pray. Because I want it to be real. I feel like there's things going to be broken. So let's just pray out loud. Say, Dear God, I repent where I've trusted in anyone or in anything other than you. My own abilities, my gifts, my riches, my success, or even my failures, my own understanding. Even when I trusted in my heart, I ask you to forgive me. I repent for trusting anything else other than you. And now I turn and I say this morning, I trust in you, the living God who endures forever. And I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.
And also as a church, I want to pray as the pastor, God, forgive us for putting our trust in anything. Monies, people, opinion, approval, God, anything. The crowd. Oh, God, forgive us. We, put our, we don't put our trust in the crowds, but we put our trust in you. So we repent of anything we put any trust in other than the Lord our God. In Jesus' name. Amen. And he will, you know, he gives forgiveness. You confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But especially our heart. The next time somebody tells you, follow your heart, you say, he that puts his trust in the heart is a fool. I'm not going to follow my heart. My heart can deceive me. Jeremiah, the real Jeremiah told me, the heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? It's incurably sick. There's no antidote except the word of God and a new heart transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. So you tell them that, they'll probably look at you like you're crazy. Then you can claim the scripture in Timothy, I suffer reproach. I suffer reproach because I put my trust in the Lord God. You're not going to be heralded as some hero because most folks are living by their own understanding too. It's the way they perceive something. They get it in their mind. They think this is the word of the Lord. But God's going to come along and shake everything that can be shaken. And when those who had it all figured out realize I had nothing figured out, I have nothing but Jesus. You know, there is one more thing I need to say, okay? You guys good? Since we told, we read that story about Cuba, I was in Cuba 20-something years ago, and I remember preaching in this Methodist church, and the people were hanging in the windows, and they filled them. That's the time that I fell in the baptistry. It broke the ice. There was a baptistry behind the pulpit. They introduced me as the American speaker. So I walked up on the stage and I didn't see the water. And I stepped over the water and I went. <laughs> it broke the ice. I got up out of the water. And we had revival in that church. It was an amazing time. But I remember. Here's a people that just. They came out of communism. The blood of their sons and daughters was shed in the streets. They were jailed for their faith. Pastors spent time behind bars. Many were killed. And now they're rejoicing. They're worshiping. They're laughing. They're dancing. Methodists. God, how is this? How is this? I said, God, I wish we had what Cuba has in America. You know what he told me? They will. They will have exactly what Cuba had and what Cuba has. You have to understand that one. You say, can't we pray against it? Well, we do all we can. But ultimately, this is going to be fulfilled. Just like it's written. And I'm sorry if it doesn't meet your approval, your acceptance. Thus saith the Lord is going to remain longer than thus saith you or me. 
And that's the only thing that will remain. So we got to do one more thing and then we're going to be dismissed and go to lunch. Have a good afternoon. If, if I said anything that offended, too bad. No, 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 no. I didn't, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. You know, human beings, we don't want to do that. But if you say the word of God, you will be offended. Jesus was a rock of stumbling and a stone of offense. They got so offended at him, they nailed him to a cross. They said, crucify him. And they said, give us Barabbas. They didn't, Barabbas couldn't do anything to save them. Jesus was the only one. And so that's how we want to close this morning. The altar is available. Anyone that needs Jesus, you're watching by web stream. The Lord commanded us to do this. And I'm going to do it. I don't care if I never see the, these nets full in my own eyes. Someone that follows me will. But I'm telling you, there's a Savior. And whosoever calls on the name of the Lord in this hour shall be saved. His name is Jesus. Religion won't save you. Your works won't save you. Being good enough won't save you. Only a Savior. Jesus gave up His goodness. He died on the cross. He sacrificed it all for you. That you could live for eternity. You can be forgiven, but you must repent. That means, it's not a hard word, it's not a scary word. It means I changed my mind. What God said about me is obviously right. I'm a sinner. But what God said I can become is right. Now I can be forgiven. I can receive by faith this gift of God that was given by grace, by faith. And I received that. So you can be saved. Also, people that are in this place, you're not where you ought to be with God. How do I know that? I don't know that, but the Holy Spirit knows it. And he's hammering on you right now. He's saying, you're not where I've called you to be. You're living for some other gods. You got to lay it down, sacrifice it all. I'm the only one that's worthy of all of your devotion, all of your life, your heart, your passion. Somewhere along the line, weren't we instructed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Many times I've said, God, I don't love you that way. He says, just confess it and receive my grace. I'm, you, you can only love the way I want you to love if you let me love through you anyway. And I go back to the cross. I have to go to the cross all the time. How many of you? Every day I have to come to him and lay my life. God, I've sinned. Lord, I'm not living up. Lord, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. I need mercy today. And we thank you. He gives it all the time. And then if you need a miracle, we're going to believe for miracles. So just you come to the altar. If any of those cases meet you, if you need a Savior, if you want to recommit your life, you need healing, you need a miracle, you need a big God to do something, to break something big, you need something from the Lord. You come. And uh, we're just going to pray. And pray and break all that stuff in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's just pray. Let's bow our heads. We're going to pray around the altar and you can come. We'll pray. But let's just pray for anyone in this room or anyone watching. You've never placed your trust in Jesus. Just, let's just pray all out loud as a, just a reconfirmation and encouragement of those around us. Someone said one time, you know, when, it, when, when you say, I was, I'm a sinner, I have a hard time saying that. And I understand because we are, we used to be a sinner. So you can insert that. Well, I used to be a sinner. But the problem is, the scripture says, he that says he doesn't sin is a liar. We need forgiveness ongoing. Repentance. 
There's some that say you don't even have to repent anymore. It's all covered once and all. No, I need to repent every day. Every day I come back to follow him, to repent, to take up the cross daily. Daily. So let's just pray, but especially for those that need a Savior. Just say, dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he lived a sinless life. He was tempted at all points, yet he never sinned. And then he laid his life down. He gave up his life for me, the just for the unjust. And so I repent of my sin. I confess I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me and wash me and make me whole. By faith, I receive you, Jesus, as Lord of my life. From this moment on, I will follow you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with power and the fire of God that I would be ablaze for you. Stir up every gift, every anointing, every calling. Everything you've spoken over my life, stir it up. Let it be done. The will of God. For I declare, it is written in the volume of the book. In my heart, I delight to do your will, O God. And I thank you, Lord. I will do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. We are around the altar. You can, we'll pray, but be blessed. Thank you, Lord.